Keep cool, man. It's so great that you could join us on We Go In and Presents episode 100. This is a pretty monumental episode and super glad that you're the one holding down the duties, uh, you know, the, the talking duties, the interview duties on episode 100. You know, looking at you as an architect of the visionaries and everything that you've accomplished in hip hop, it's just great to have you have you here and really talk about your experiences. So first off, just thank you for, for jumping on We Go In and Presents. Right on. Thank you. Congrats on 100. Wow, that's big. Honored to be I, here. I did not I did not know that would make it to 100. I didn't know I'd make it to 50. So it's right on. it's it's great. You know, I love having this kind of outlet to really showcase the great work that's happening in hip hop. Um and especially what's happening sometimes below the surface that maybe we're not always aware of. And I think just going off of that, you know. The visionaries have been really bubbling up in the last year or so. Um, you know, obviously there's been a bit of a hiatus and people have, you know, come and gone, but it feels like things are starting to really coalesce right now for the visionaries. You know, how do you feel about that? You know, it's um for us, it's it's kind of like um, man, we've we've been a crew for 30 plus years, friends for for 30 plus years, you know. Um dating back to all the way when LMNO and I first got into the music industry in the early 90s. So for us to just be able to be doing stuff now um, and just reconnecting on the level of, you know, we've been through thick and thin through the business and everything, but just to be able to do things for the pure enjoyment of it, where we are in life with even with kids and everything, it feels as if it's back to um, uh, day one where we're just doing it strictly for the love and the outlet and artistic integrity of it or artistic expressive aspect of it so um and it never changed but you know you, you during the journey sometimes you could you could fight lose your way a little bit or get get a little bit jaded with the the situation so to be able to do it now with just a clean perspective and, and a whole new perspective you know where we are in life it's it's again it's like you're not tackling the same subjects because now we have fatherhood we have you know our parents getting older we're dealing with so many different things so just in for us to be able to release records fresh and new as well as appreciate our legacy at the same time is it's kind of a mind-blowing thing to have both yeah that's incredible i mean how do you move on or kind of adapt new perspectives while you look at the group and it's oh there's got to always be memories of what was going on 15 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago and not being stuck in kind of a time machine of like, remember the good old days, but also moving forward without losing the essence of what made the visionaries great to begin with. I think it's just how we've always kind of been. We we really just, even when we started making records, we just made stuff that was, we felt as if was uh, expressive of, you know, just honest with ourselves. Just being that um, hip hop, came to us, you know, for me in particular, hip hop, at, at, when I became an adolescent, I got into b-boying and I got into DJing at a you know, fairly early age and, uh, you know, also doing art, just everything, just finding my own identity, identity through hip hop. Um, it just kind of just doesn't change. It's still just expressing how you feel. And it's never been really about grasping onto anything, but just trying to, trying to make art or just trying to get, get what is, you know, on your mind and weighing on your soul and, you know, whether it's happy or sad or whatever, um, uh, political, anything, you know, the, 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 
the subject matter is very depending on our moods and depending on what the beat, you know, on the production and, and everything, just the situation. So I think nothing's really changed. It's just I think we've gotten better at articulating um, and, and crafting our, our 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 whole, you know, songwriting, you know, process and, and just making that music. We've just gotten, I think, better at just really honing in on it and being comfortable in our skin with it, you know, because we all go through, you know, you go through changes and, and, you, and we're, now we're at the point where we're just confident, um, super confident on, on who we are and what we're doing. And, you know, our insecurities about the world may be expressed through our music, but still we're, we're confident enough to know that we have each other for, and we're doing it for a reason. Um, and that, I think that in itself is just, has been a, a just the journey has been an affirmation to, you know, oh yeah, we're doing at least something right. If we're all still together as friends and we work through everything that we work through, then, you know, this, this always feels like going to the, it's, it's almost like when we get together and do music or we get together and do a show or we get together and get on a call, it always feels like therapeutic. So it's almost as if it's like a, almost feel guilty about like man it's just we have something that even when our life might we might be going through so much pain in our lives like it almost feels guilty to be like man we got something to go back to that just makes you feel good you know what i mean so it's we've learned to appreciate it i guess that's cool did you think you guys would make it 30 years when you started out was that even a thought we didn't even know if hip hop or the world would last for 30 years, to be honest, you know, you listen, to our, you listen to our first record and it's, it's all doom and gloom. And, and, and the, the stuff we're talking about is the same issues we're dealing with today. And it's just cycles, you know, a lot of people are like the subject matters you're talking about. Oh my gosh. You know, you guys, you guys are visionaries, pun intended, you know, like you said this and stuff back in 97. I'm like, Hey, people were seeing this stuff since, you know, the sixties or the fifties, you know? So um, you know, it, it's again, no, did not even think that far forward at that point. And, you know, you look at a song too, like if you can't say love, one of the, the biggest visionary songs there are just, you know, such a great anthem. Do you ever feel like that song can be a gift and a curse where fans sometimes think like that's all visionaries is about, or do you feel like fans take the time to really dig deep and see the, how layered and multifaceted you guys are as people and as a group? I mean, I think, I think that's not a bad song to be judged by because we're just talking about, you know, love and, and that's exactly what we're about, you know, whether it's our family, whether it's music and just being honest and people don't like it, they don't like it. Um, if they look at each individual member's stuff, um, you look at our backgrounds, our, our upbringings and the things we went through, you know, we, we don't need to validate anything. So it's like, I don't mind that. And at the same time, we've had other songs that, you know, people only know us for blessings, say, because of the, you know, the world famous Beat Junkies Volume 2 record was so big and not, that song was on every mixtape. And other people, you know, knew us from before we were visionaries when we did, you know, Equals MC to the Fifth Power, the Posse Cut with Razkaz and Raz, when Raz was blowing up, that kind of put us on the map nationally as a as a crew and, and stuff like that, too. So you know, some people just want that lyrical, you know, underground, just ripping, you know, so it depends, you know, but like, like you said, if you can't say love, um, one thing I like about that song is, is I, I could play it for older, older folks that don't even like hip hop, I could play it for male, female, or whatever. Um, maybe yes. like the, yeah, kids and the, everyone that hears it is always like, 
well, it's kind of unique. It just sounds different than anything, but it has that feel good to it. So, you know, some people just want that grimy, you know, street corner stuff. Like I love that stuff too, but you know, not, we're not going to make, you know, songs that, that don't really represent our lifestyle or what we're about either. But, you know, we, we love those gritty raw beats and we, you know, we love listening to everything. So, and at the same time, why would we make songs that, that aren't, you know, who we are as people, you know? So, right. you know, so we, we kind of, it just, it really encapsulates kind of who we are. And, and when we get together as a group as well, because each one of the members of our group is so different, you know, like Tim X will want to rap, you know, 60 bars and be like, let's get the verses off, you know? But then when you hear it, heard it if you can't say that, well, we got to keep it short and sweet because this song is just so infectious. And he even understands how to write differently to, say a really palatable like j-rock production like if you can't say love as as opposed to like something where you just get like your rip verse off for like 60 bars you know what i mean so um yeah yeah so i think i think we're we're in a good place when we heard that song and when we made it in the process of making it um and the funny thing about it was j-rock said don't make some song about love or whatever and that's where the the chorus came from you know we're like if you can't say love like then what are you supposed to say and then and then that became the chorus, and we all we're all kind of jokingly kind of read it, wrote that song, and like, man, that was the quickest writing session. It was like, bam, and it was just we laid it down, we we played it for him. He goes, "You guys are jerks," and but <laughs> you know, and it just that's how it came. It was just right when we heard it, it was just bam, the song was written. You know, so sometimes it just comes out like that. It's just meant to be, I guess. Yeah. No. And I asked that question too, because sometimes I'll talk to artists and something that they're really well known for. And it's, you know, like I I look at, if you can't say love is just like a certified hip hop classic. And sometimes when artists make the classics, they, I've heard other artists be frustrated that fans haven't dug deeper or really like, like, Hey, I have this too. or I have this new album coming out. Like, like, I love that you love this that I created years ago, but I also want you to stay in tune with what I have now too. And sometimes what artists have expressed to me too, is just like that frustration of like, no one has moved on or no one sees me as, as, as doing more than this one or this, this one album, this one song, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And I, but see, and and that's just the artistic side of, of somebody just, you know, you always want to express. And also as a consumer, as a fan of music, like I know there's a, there's certain classic songs that I heard when I was in eighth grade and that group can make whatever they want. That's this fire. That's incredible. But that song personally to me attaches to a certain experience or certain feelings. So that song may represent something different to me in my experience of it, not to be selfish, but that's how, you know, you understand when you look, you know, when we're music listeners, songs mean a different thing to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. So for an artist, for me as an artist to say, well, you you know, you got to like this just as much as you like. No, I, I can't. You like what you like. And we're just, I think we're lucky just to even have a song that someone might say like, hey, you know, that's the one song I know about you and that's all I care about. And that's fine. As long as they one of the songs reached you, that, that to me is like, dude, there's, there's people that make incredible stuff all the time that just never gets heard. Like there's yeah. millions of people more talented than us and, and, that have incredible music that's never gotten exposure. And we just happened to release something and do it in a, in, in a situation where it really took off for us. And it still does like, don't get me wrong. Like when we got a million plays on YouTube, you know, 
that's none of it is bought. Like a lot of people buy their views, they, they, they buy ads, they promote, they have people that work it and they get, you know, millions of, that, that was our, our, that's all organic and it just continues to snowball. So, you know, I think we're just lucky to have something that's like that. That's kind of like a timeless song and, and be able to actually say, you know, like you, you tell us we have a classic uh, to me, it's just kind of mind blowing to know that because I just love classic music, period, you know, any rock songs, jazz, hip hop, reggae, um, new wave, even, you know, like whatever. There's certain things that I hear that I'm like, that's just, that's the perfect song that really encapsulates a feeling for me and a mood for me and written perfectly. And I'm not saying that if you can't say love is that, but even to be deemed or considered in the, in that vein is, is kind of a mind blowing. Did you know at the time too, that you had a classic or did it take time for you guys to realize that, that, that song is something special? Um, I think we knew that it was really like just to be alone when we heard it. I mean, that was just one of those like, what is, what, you know, it was just, and then, was, then we're like, how do we even write to this? Like, it was kind of like one of those, man, this is just one of those beats and then we just got to just get in the pocket. And then once we you know, recorded it, and then when we did the video, like we were ta- I was talking with the director, Andrew Gura, about recutting the video HD because I had the actual film that we shot it on, the 16 millimeter film. And we were just like, even the video that whole day was literally our families, my parents, you know, two mixes parents, you know, nieces and nephews other other artists like AWOL one with his kids that are all grown up now like zen's kids and danu's daughter mouthing the lyrics without us knowing it and then they got caught on camera so you know like that whole day was just special it was it wasn't even like a setup barbecue it was just we were just there the families just started cooking and eating and we just filmed it you know and, and so it was just all kind of organic kind of like how the song was and kind of like how our group is so it just really captured that moment so I think just all in all, um, you know, again, we're just lucky to have, you know, ha- have had that moment in 2004 to, to you know, 19, almost 20 years, right? Wow. To lock in yeah. and, and make crazy. that record. Mm-hmm. We wow. probably recorded it. We probably recorded it in 2003, to be honest, because I think the record came out in February 2000. So it's, it was like 20 years ago. Yeah. I do remember, I think the video was shot sometime like, you know, like winter, um, like on a kind of cooler night and stuff, but yeah, it's kind of blows my mind. It's been a long and, time. And even looking at the whole, the hook there, if you can't say love, like we've, we've reached a spot where 20 years later, you know, hip hop has evolved to where now it's like not just acceptable, but it's like cool to give folks their, their flowers to show love and to be very open about it as opposed to like, you know, telling you, I, I can tell you you're great, you know, in a, in a personal conversation, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast or, you know, you, you may not say it on stage to, to another artist, but you might say it um, where now it's a lot more acceptable. What do you think about that trend? I mean, I, I love the fact that people are, that artists are just much more open with expressing appreciation, um, you know, especially while people can still smell their flowers. No, I think, I think in general, like as a human being, just being able to tell people you care about them and and to be vulnerable. Like if someone doesn't say they care back, you know, they don't say it back to you or whatever. It's like, it's okay. Like, um, you know, 
when we got into hip hop or, you know, just, just being a, a young man growing up, like sometimes you're guarded and, and you don't want to show vulnerability because you feel, feel like people are going to test you or punk you or whatever. You have to act tough and act a certain way. I think, um, luckily, uh, I had, you know, my father was, uh, really just a stand up dude. And, 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 you know, he was a tough guy. He was tough, but he was athletic, but whatever. He was very secure with himself and he just laughed. You know, people said stuff to him. He was he had good humor about it. So he was really secure with himself. So it taught me to be that way too, just kind of chill. And, and, and so being able to tell someone like, you know, you're a fan of their music or whatnot. Like, I think our group has always been that group too. Like you listen to our records, we say our appreciation for all the, the forefathers and, and, and the people that influenced us. We're always, you know, um, giving props to people that, that, that we feel inspired us. And, and, and I think, that's a that's a healthy thing to do because it's like it's never about you like all the stuff we've done has been done before it's just we are we're just articulating it yet in a different way again but all those things that we experienced growing you know growing up as music listeners or as, as you know artists seeing art in every way it's it's all you know you have to give credit it's not just all about you you're just channeling all the things that you've learned and, and you're creating your own essay on you know what you know, what you've experienced and putting in your own personality and talent into it, if you have some. And so, you know, it's real, I think it's super egotistical when people think it's all about them and, and they can't give their props or flowers or, or whatever, appreciate those that came before. And I think because of COVID and because of our generation realizing that, you know, a lot of the greats, you know, that, that we've, either gotten to work with or some that we've never even met have, have been passing because of COVID or just age or, you know, different health issues and, you know, violence, you know, ha- has taken out a lot of people before you're able to be, even say something to them or meet them. And luck, fortunately, we, we've been able to meet a lot of those people and, 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 you know, share stages or whatever. But at the same time, it's essential that you let people know that they're appreciated for what they've done, you know, and, and their legacy. So I think that's cool because, you know, it's problematic when there's a gap between the generations and people don't appreciate each other and the knowledge and the wisdom isn't passed down. And, and that's really terrible for a culture or a community. If, if the elders aren't respected and the elders don't give the knowledge back and, and share their experience and their, uh, and, and their insight to, you know, the, the younger generation, the next generation. So I, I think it's all healthy to be able to have those dialogues and to be able to show that appreciation. Yeah, no, I love that answer, yeah. man. You look at the album Blessing in Disguise with Two Mechs and the LMNO, you know, how did that album come about? That record actually, um, that record is is a part of, so that record was done in 2010. So LMNO did, say LMNO is crazy. He did, in 2010, he decided he wanted to do released 10 albums in 2010, one every month. And then on 10, 10, 2010, it would be the last record. Um, so he already had about 10 records done, but then he's like, no, I want to do all new records. He's just a maniac. So, um, so the last two, one of the records fell out because he did records with like Kev Brown and, and um, Derry has a bunch of different producers, Babu, um, uh, Georgia Amal Drow, like all, all these talented producers, but then he had two more left to do. So we did the very last one I produced it. It's called Elemental's Dead. 
but one of the records had fallen out. Someone couldn't do it or they couldn't get clearance or something. So James was like, let's just do one more. So we recorded like 10 songs produced in, in, in like 12 days or something. And then we are like, let's do another one. And he's like, let's get Alex on it. So we're just on a roll. I would, after my day, um, you know, cause up above records was my day job, you know, it was our own label. We ran it. So I would just finish my day out and then I would just break out some record and I'd start chopping it. And then James would come behind and just start writing it before I was even done with the beat. That's, that was the process. And, and we would just start creating the song. And then, so for, for, uh, blessings in disguise we started working on that and two mix would come in and write this verse and it would all just kind of like form you know because we're like let's finish like 10 more songs in 10 days like a song a day basically and so yeah that that's how that record came about and it was kind of like we we're just on this roll of like doing a, a month and a half of just recording songs every day just from the fly and james's friend john would come in he's a you know, brilliant guitarist and rock, singer and a rock guitarist. He would just come and start playing stuff as I'm like chopping samples. And it just would all just like kind of converge into this, this record. And when we're done with it, done with it, we were, we were just kind of blown away by it. So that was, you know, part of his 10 pack in 2010. And uh, Tim Mix just posted it up um, for people to hear digitally um, this year. So it's not a brand new record. It's actually a record that probably no one's heard. But we actually did that. It was like a, in the cut. Not no one's heard, but only hard hardcore f- fans that bought that 10-pack um, probably have access to that record. So we'll, we'll put that up, the whole 10-pack up digitally, um, you know, in retrospect, you know, 10 plus years later. The, that, you know, Elemental's a monster for that. He's got like other records that he's done with people that no one's ever heard. Um, it's just crazy how much material he has. He's, he's yeah, his, his archive yeah. must be crazy. I mean... Because just looking at his Bandcamp, there's so much stuff out there, and if that's what's up on Bandcamp, I can only imagine what that iceberg looks like under the surface. You know, with how much music is probably on on hard drives and and whatnot. Yeah, and he has other records that he released and stuff that he took down um, from from the digital platforms, and we're gonna re put it up through um, through you know because we we have the Visionaries Crew label. Um, so he has so much material and he's like, I'm just like, he just needs to throw it all back up. It's literally just a daunting task because it's like stacks and stacks of masters. And, and it's just, he has a crazy amount that's been released and stuff that hasn't been released. And I'm like, do the stuff that's been released first so people could have access to it again. And it, yeah, the, the, he's just super prolific. Like He'll he'll say he's working with one producer and then finish an entire album with them like within a week, you know. And mm. he just does that with and every like every producer like he works with is just like this dude is crazy. Oh my god, this is amazing. And you know, every rapper that I knew was was like that about him too. You know, like back in the day, and, and anyone would meet meet us and and all all these heavyweight lyricists and people that give props to like this this cat is insane. Like he just is just a uh, talented dude that doesn't try to sound anything but him you know he's just got a unique voice and unique lingo and just sounds the way he does like there's no one else that sounds like Alameno so he's been that way since he was 15 since we got into our first group in uh in the rhyme syndicate back when he I was picking him up from high school and I was I was at UCLA so I rode with him since he was a teenager and uh yeah man so I, I know him I, I know his personality and how much like I probably have stuff that he doesn't even have on drives and discs and everything. Cause 
I'm the type of dude, I'm like kind of like the historian of the group. I just keep every flyer, every, I film everything. I keep every uh, bit of things that we recorded, radio drops, cassettes, everything. I, I just keep it all kind of like, like Wally kind of file out of the way. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, that, that's so important because when you look at what you guys have contributed to hip hop history, like it would be a shame to lose the freestyles, the the two tracks, the masters, the the flyers, um, all the the behind the scene videos. Like it'd be a shame to lose that stuff. I mean, it's it's not stuff that's talked about a lot, but like being an archivist is really important, you know, to to maintaining your history, but also like spreading that history to the next generation. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys in the group used to joke because I would always have a camera out and leave it to the Japanese guy with the camera. Uh, always on, you know, and, and um, two Mexicans would call me Spike Key or Martin Scorsese, you know, like he'd, they'd always like joke around and have all these names for me. So I'm like, they're like, put that camera down. I'm like, one day you're going to, you're going to appreciate me for having this camera in your face all the time, like everything. So now I'm dealing with like having to go through it and digitize it all, but I'm like got boxes and boxes full of tapes and DV tapes and all this stuff. So, um, they're like, oh, now I know what you're talking about. I'm like, that was a day when we didn't have these yet. You know what I mean? You had to have yeah. an actual camera in your hand. And so I think I got just got that habit from my dad because my dad always had, you know, literally a camera in your face all the time and filming something, you know. So I just I just did that too with my with the crew just to document the experience. So well, I tell my kids all the same thing all the time. It's like, you know they're going to appreciate one day showing their kids, you know, photos and, and videos, what they were like, you know, it's, it's those things you don't appreciate maybe in the moment as much, but you are glad you have that. Um, especially because our memories, we forget things and, totally. you know, having, having those memories and being able to say, no, this is exactly what happened. This is what was going on is important because our memories distort, you know, over time, what, what actually right. happened. And, and that's important. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was looking through old flyers and, and tour books and stuff like that and looking at actual dates and even like my old calendar books, like studio session with J-Rock or whatever, whatever, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was on this day, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm glad I kept it. Luckily, because I was at school, so I had my school planner too. So like, I kept that kind of stuff. So I knew when we were going to do a show or, you know, we, we just happened to, to be in LA at a, a really good time, you know, um, from... I graduated high school in 1988. So when I went to UCLA, like, you know, Public Enemy came on campus, you know, Dungle Brothers. And, you know, when Dell came on, I, I mentioned to you, me and Zen got to open for him. So we were kind of like in this mix where everything was bubbling culturally. And and at the same time, being at a school like UCLA, we had a network of people that we could, you know, I could reach out to and meet. And, you know, also just through the hip hop scene. But just all of that kind of combined growing up in the 80s and 90s and, you know, being able to experience that all for, for me to grow up behind a rhodium swap meet, you know, where, where Easy E and Dre meant to see that as a young kid DJ and for, you know, Elemental growing up in, in Long Beach and hanging out with Easy E, but also like hanging out at backyard parties with Sublime and knowing all those dudes, you know, and, and so we saw these different movements, the skateboarding scene and all that. And we, we were able to, so even like the, uh, the, the clothing scene, like, Rich One, you know, the one that designed stuff for us, him and all his friends. Um, some of his friends started Crookton Castles, but we got into, like, creating, you know, I was designing clothing for Japanese uh, 
like a streetwear company back in the mid nineties. So we got to see all that evolve, like culturally what started influencing the world, but stemming like LRG and, and, and uh, Elemento growing up with Jonas from LRG. Like we got to see the whole, how Southern California culture influenced the world, but it was all the underground cats, you know, and once it went mainstream, you know, some, some groups blew up, but we saw it all culminate from the artists that kind of influence and seeing our friends' ideas or our, our community's music start influencing the world was just kind of bananas. And I think it's kind of like a, a untold story. Um, and we just, we're lucky that we happen to be right in the middle of all of it and be able to see that happen as, you know, kids from all these different neighborhoods through Southern California. So we have like a kind of a wide representation and, and experience and we all kind of cross section each other as well. So we all went to each other because in LA, you know, if there's a hip hop thing going on, you're going there. So we're all kind of in each other's scenes as well, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah. That's good. That, that's really cool. I mean, what was that UCLA scene like in the nineties, you know, going there and um, especially balancing. I mean, I had to do the same thing when I was writing for hip hop game. It's like, you have this one life, like in hip hop, but you're also like this paper is due. I got to be at this class. Like it's hard to balance both and be fully invested in both at the same time. Right. Right. No, it was, it was cool. Cause like I went to UCLA and I had like a 10 year uh, tenure there. So I, the, I took off when, when uh, me and Rhett released Cosmonauts in 1995 and we went to tour Japan and, and uh, I took off and, and told my, uh, uh, counselor and she was like super excited about it so she you know I, I was able to go to school off and on since like 88 to like finally graduated in 99 um but I, I remember I mean cut chemist was at school with me like I, I ran in I like you go here you go here we started laughing we didn't re even realize he's like you know DJ Dusko is a school here too we're like what wow so yeah so all of us were like kind of at the school at the same time and yet you know it I was a, being a student, but I was also running our own record label. So um, I, it was it was kind of one of those things to where it was just it was cool. Like I we have we we performed um, on campus multiple times as the Visionaries, which was really cool for me later to to realize I went from like being super happy for opening Fidel in like '93 to like bringing a group back and performing there multiple times as well as as actual artists that got booked to play there. So. Um, except for one time when they announced this as Key Cool and the Retmatics, but um, that was the, that was that was the funniest thing. Um, but um, but that was early, in, in the early years. So. Why why didn't that stick? Why how come that's that didn't that didn't stick? That didn't make you want to change your name? Uh, yeah, because I, I don't think Brett wanted us to all wanted five other MCs to share his name. He, <laughs> he wanted to be Retmatic himself and didn't want a bunch of MCs part of the Retmatics. <laughs> Man. That was hilarious, yeah. you know and i'm so glad too that the cosmonauts album is on spotify and other streaming platforms because it's such great music but so, so often some of like the the early music that that artists create is only you know in like low quality form maybe a, a youtube video here maybe a link here like it's hard to right. find um, so first I'm just, just happy to see Cosmonauts online because it's like, not only can we go back and see like the early roots of the visionaries, but like, it's just great music that stands on its own, um, at the same time. Like, like what, what's been your experience having Cosmonauts online and really having it just easily accessible for fans? Um, I mean, I think it's one of those things to where, um, 
as far as when Cosmonauts came out, like we 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 released it on our own, you know, back in '95, and you know, we got reviewed by the Source magazine, which was like a big deal for us, you know, like for for anybody to to be reviewed in there, and we got coverage from like a lot of publications when it you know it meant a big deal if someone took the time to write and put your picture in it. It was like, um, but the funny thing about it was. Um, it was still, you know, underground, right? Um, it was mostly college radio that played our records. But the thing that got us notoriety was like, because I wrote a song about um, my parents and my grandparents going to, to camps uh, during World War II, the internment camps, being Japanese Americans. So that took us like, you know, to Loyola Chicago to perform there, you know, to NYU, to Stanford, to Berkeley, all these scholarly places that wanted to have us there or speak in their classes and perform. And, so I kind of like did this academic circuit, but it never, I felt like, you know, at the time underground was still like, so, you know, it, it wasn't what it is today where we have all these musical platforms. So it's almost like it's, it's a, a reawakening in a sense. Like I'm very surprised, like when some 16 year old kid comes up to me and is talking to me about cosmonauts, I'm like, I mean, how in the world, like your parents are probably not even born when that record came out, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, it's, it it kind of blows my mind to know that, you know, things like YouTube or Spotify or anything can allow, you know, through all these these different, you know, algorithms that they have, people start discovering, you know, um, the records. And, and even like watching some of these mainstream, you know, YouTube guys break down his, history, hip hop history, there, there's been a couple where they mentioned the record. And I'm just like... You know, and Alex Tumex would just be like, bro, he sent me this. Hey, this dude is huge. You know how many people listen to him? And he plugs our name in his, you know, because they're talking about Asians, Americans in music or whatever. And this guy talks about, well, in the 90s, it was this. And, and just that, just getting the mention to us was like, well, that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like to even be put into this, you know, recognition level. It, so I think just the exposure um it's it's crazy because it it used to cost so much just to get a record out you know to to have to go to the studio and to pay so much to get into a real studio to mix it and to to get something pressed up and and to to have a distribution company agree to buy it to put all this hundreds of thousands of dollars into just manufacturing things that could just be sent to tower records and then be sent back to you the next week you know what I mean? Like, and just being stuck with stuff because you're not a big artist, right? You're not getting that major promotion. Now it's like, we don't even have to, to tie up all that money. You could just put it out. So I think in a sense, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. And again, it's like, wow, it's so easy like to, to get stuff out there now, which is, it, it's cool to know that your stuff has a chance to have a life forever um, through these different platforms. So I think, that in that in itself is it's kind of mind blowing that pe- you know people are discovering it on their own. You don't have to have a mix show playing it in Kansas. You don't have a you know. I mean, they can, but you know, now the mix show is the the kid just going like this, you know, and finding it. So just click clicks of buttons, you know. And I see with my nieces and nephews, they they're like, I didn't I didn't know this type of music existed. They come to one of our shows. And then they start looking up other, and then they come back to me with a list of people that they like. And I'm like, that's very accurate. That's the groups you should be listening to. But they find it because of how easy it is to find now. They do the, I guess, I guess it's like di- digital digging. You know what I mean? Yeah. My nephew, yeah. my nephew will come back. He's like, there's more groups that sample jazz records. I go, 
I name him two more groups. And then he comes back. He has a little, and he goes, oh, I love all the, I go, that's amazing. You love hip hop now where, you know, he yeah. was a, a kid, a kid that listened to Bossa Nova. Like you're very, very, very different. Like Bossa Nova for like a young kid. Now he likes hip hop and Bossa Nova. <laughs> so it, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome to see. No, it's great the way today, like that kids can really discover so much and, how 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 much easier it is to access i mean even going back 20 years you know if you didn't have a good modem you're not downloading music you know if you know 10 years before that if you don't have friends with good cassette tapes you're not dubbing stuff so it's like right. kids today it's like it's great that they have so much access at their fingertips to i mean they could listen to your whole discography in a day where before you'd have to buy every cd like that's 100 bucks you know like mm -hmm. um if not more so um, that access just, you know, hopefully it leads to like more educated listeners and more like uh, more appreciation for like just great music. For real. And, you know, again, that also creates, you know, a lot of stuff for people to try and sip through or whatnot. But it does. I, I, but, you know, like they always say, the cream always rises to the top, you know, and all the noise kind of ends up going away at some point. You know, so people, people who are meant to find it will eventually find it. You know what I mean? And, and you know, again, these algorithms are, are, are so amazing that, you know, it, it ends up understanding, you know, people's music tastes and help, help, you know, through, 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 uh, I guess, machine learning now, right? Um, yeah. People are able to find things that are, that, that are grouped into to genres that would be likable to their tastes, right? So I, I, it just blows my mind to me that we've come to an age where, you know, hopefully our, our stuff will keep getting clumped up and lumped up with the stuff we feel it should be. And it, as far as I know, it does, because, you know, um, as I'm looking through stuff and I'm seeing, you know, sounds like, you know, if you like this, you'll like that. It really is pretty accurate on, on really capturing, you know, um, uh, just just grouping things in, in in the proper way, in a sense, and it's it's only going to get better. So. Yeah, you know, and and I remember, you know, up above records back in the hip hop game days, you know, in the the two thousands, you know, you guys always had just strong uh, promotional materials, great quality products. You know, what what's it like, man, running up above, but also being an artist and like really blending the business with the with the music and the creative um grind because sometimes business and creativity go hand in hand and sometimes you know you just want to be creative or you just want to focus on the business and you can't so like what's it like kind of having a foot in both um both sides there honestly i mean that's that was probably the most difficult part of things was because uh you know honestly the most gratifying thing about um being part of the visionaries is is making the music and me on stage. That's the fun part. The hardest part is always the business aspect. Um, my business partner Doug Cotto, like that guy's all business, and he's he used to be a DJ and stuff, but he's all about business. So, you know, I felt bad for him sometimes because he's just looking at numbers all the time and then having to deal with that. Um, but for me, it's like being part of both. You know, that's part of somewhat of the conflict too because the guys in the group want certain things to be a certain way or they can't understand you know um why certain things aren't doing as well or should we put more money into this or should we not you know and so the that was one of the the, the things that 
I think uh, uh, me and the group, we always discussed and, and the more transparent we were with each other about it, you know, that's why we're still friends. Most people end up fighting about money and hating each other's guts and, and one person wanting to do one, th one thing one way or, or the other. I think that was the hardest part and it continues to be, right? Like as we're doing business now, um, you know, it's like just tackling these things and, and really trying to make the smartest decisions. It's always like the, I would say the hardest part because you want to make sure that, that you're taking care of things for everybody. You know what I mean? You, you, you're, you're not, if I was just a solo artist, then that's fine. My business decisions are just mine, but when it affects my group members and, and their families and whatnot, like that's a whole nother burden almost like, so, but I think the fun part about it is, is that, you know, we were always do-it-yourselfers from the beginning. We turned down, you know, major record label deals and stuff like that and saw that, you know, because of our experiences, like getting screwed in our first record deals and stuff to begin with, we decided, you know, I, I decided I'm not letting anyone take control of my, my own career. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the only one that's going to control my career. Um, and, and so to me, like, Handling the business and the, and, and the music was empowering, and it still is, right? And it just so happens now everyone could be do-it-yourselfers. We're do-it-yourselfers do it since 95, you know, since um, we didn't fit into the the music industry puzzle of what they wanted to see, what they expected of a Asian person, a white guy, a multicultural group. They didn't understand what we had. So I was just like, let's just make our own lane and, and, and do it the way we want to do it. That in itself was that self-empowerment also you take the hit when you're not as successful as so-and-so whatnot but at the end of the day what is success really like to us it's sustaining the love and 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 able to have a couple classics here and there and able to still get on stage able to create more and able to be friends with each other still and and still have the ideas come out to where maybe we could create more things to create more uh exposure you know, like making a book and yeah, you know what I mean? Like just extending and telling story, just continuing to be storytellers through music, through, through, through everything. So and do you guys have plans right now for more, like another visionaries album? We do. We do. We have like, um, we have actually, um, a bunch of songs that, that we're finishing up. Um, so yeah, we, we got, we got more material and then, um, Awesome. You know, we, we have plans to to get all our uh, footage and all that together and, and, and tell a, a visual story as well. But yeah, musically, I mean, that's the one thing that we're like, that's the easy thing, even though it's not because we got six guys. So everyone's got each, you know, each, everyone's got their own projects and, and whatnot. But yeah, we do have new material um, that we're planning to release in, in 2024. So um, yeah. That's awesome. And you know, I wanted to circle back too, man, to Cosmonauts. Um, e equals MC to the fifth power band is just one of those great collaborative tracks. You know, you've got early LMNO on there. You've got Razcast, you know, others. What was it like putting that together, man? And did you know, like, that you had, like, a classic posse cut there when, when it was all said and done? Um, yeah, it was, it was, Rhett was working with Razcast, laying scratches for the Soul on Ice album before, before it was, um, you know, before it got signed, before it got picked up by Priority. And we had we had that beat, and we were just like, "Red, this beat is insane." And it was supposed to be a visionary's posse cut, but um, when Red was working with uh, Raz, he's like, "Hey, you want to get on a cut?" And he Raz heard the beat, and we're like, 
okay, well, let's just do the Pasca. We'll get Elemental, me and Elemental from the Visionaries, and then we'll get Western Hemisphere, which was Raz's crew. And it was one of those things to where it's like Western Hemisphere broke up before Raz's first album came out. But they're Mean Green and Voodoo. That was just in Bird. That was with the incredible. They were just on the verge. Like, they're blowing up. They're so dope live. They all had lyrics. That was that next crew that you were like, oh, my God, these guys are going to. I mean, they're already destroying it on the on the scene opening for like every cat that was coming through in '95, um, and so anyway, just being on 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 a record with with a cat as as lyrically insane as Razkaz and his crew was just one of those things to where it was just one of those kind of yeah uh, over the beat and it's just it just it was one of those you had to come with it so. Yeah, and, and when it was done, you know, I, I was like, man, you know, to me, I was super hype. I was like, this song is incredible. But I remember going to the Gavin convention in in, um, in New Orleans in 95, and I saw Mike Nardone, first time I met him, and he had We Came From Beyond on KXLU, and he also had a show called The Joint on, on 92.3 The Beat. And I, I listened to his show since, you know, way, like way long, always listening to all the records he played. So when I met him, he listened to the demo on his headphones. He goes, God damn, this is incredible. Like, and for him to say that, I was like, oh shit, we got something, you know. Um, sorry if I'm cursing, but um but we got something on our hands here. You know, and I, I you know, just to know that that an OG like him from one of the my favorite hip hop radio shows was like he liked it and he said it was dope. And you know, we knew it once we had it. Even J Rock back then was always a jerk before I really knew him. When you heard that, he goes, "Man, that equals MC song." I go, "You, you, you just gave me a compliment right now. You're always like sarcastic and jerk, <laughs> and you actually like." He goes, "Man, this is incredible." I was like, "Okay." So, you know, two two of those people that 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 said they liked it, kind of kind of gave me confirmation. But I, yeah, we knew we had something on our hands for sure. And and the other piece about that album that I hope you know, like. Anyone who hasn't heard Cosmonauts goes back before, you know, and then and then like, you know, really traces your musical history is just the visionary stuff acting scary. I mean, like that 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 song right there, that's kind of foundational, right? For really forming the visionaries is getting everybody on that song first and then kind of seeing how things develop from there, right? Yeah, that was our first recorded song that that we we ever put out. That was our first song um that got put on a record that got actually released and i think that's for everyone like you know no one that no one had been on a record you know recording before and putting a record out so but as a crew yeah that definitely was our first song and and uh we were already rolling as a crew calling ourselves the visionaries but that was our, our the first time that that first recorded record so you know Rhett came with that beat and we were just like Again, I really like that beat because it, it it had had this tempo where it allowed everyone to kind of get loose in the way, you know, two mix was rhyming that rather tat project load, you know, a tattoo in its style, and and I still listen to Zen's verse and just blown away by like, yeah, I mean everyone just came with it, so that that record was definitely like a good jumping off point for the crew. Man, that's awesome, and and when you look to just at your creative process today, like. Can you describe that for us? Um, yeah, a lot of times, um, for the most part, now it's it's usually like I'll come up with a beat or Rhett will come up with a beat, um, unless unless we have like someone like J Rock. Hey, I got a beat for you guys. 
and usually like one or two of us will start writing. Um, uh, and sometimes, you know, like the first stuff that we did, it was always me and Elemental would get some songs started, start either a verse each and a chorus maybe. Um, but it's usually a couple of us will start building on it. And then as we're building, we'll pass it to the next cat and be like, this is what we're rhyming about. Because now we're doing a lot of stuff virtual. Um, but sometimes the best times are like when three of us or four of us are all together and we write together too. That energy of being in the same room or same studio as well allows us to do that as you know. So, but creatively, like sometimes it's one guy that comes with a concept or ret or I'll have a beat and be like, write about this. Or sometimes someone will hear a beat and go, you know, Zen would just come up with a singing chorus or something and be like, you guys get some verses off and then I don't know what to rap about. And once we start rapping and then he'll write his verse. So it's, it's, it's always collaborative though. And, and it's the way that we do it usually is um, we critique each other a lot and, you know, there's no more arguments. There's no more feelings getting hurt. It's really funny because we're like, like a basketball team that's been playing together forever. It's like, Hey, you didn't do Oh yeah. Well, you got to do this. So yeah, well, redo this. Well, you got to be over there. And it's just like, no one gets mad. Like, okay. Or most of the time people are like, I got to redo my thing. No, 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 Don't. That's perfect. That take was perfect. Don't like Daniel is a perfectionist. Like, no, 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 no. Mm. Emotion was perfect. But my, t- no, no, that emotion that you had there, that was it. Don't redo it. I don't care if your tones were a little different than what you wanted. That was perfect. So it's always us guiding each other and really like understanding the, what the visionary sound is really. And so I think it's, we we become very uh how would you say receptive and and coach each other even through the recording of it we'll record each other and you could do it better you could do it better i like this you could do it better or i, I like how you did this and we we vocally coach each other through things uh we make revisions we help each other revise like take out the syllable add the syllable you know what i mean so it's really kind of a it's interesting. It used to be like, nah, I'm doing my own thing. And I'm just getting on it. I'm, 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 I'm going to just rap, you know? Now it's like, hey, what do you think? And it's it's very, uh, yeah, we work as a team very well now. And it's it, it sounds crazy, but we all have our pride, of course, but we're very, uh, I would just say, open to, to feedback. And that's really, um, it's always a, a very positive environment as far as our creative. You, you can hear it in the records. It, we're just having fun, but it's a real positive. And, and, and you know, even the last record we did, V, that's that's how it was. It's just, it's just you know, kind of this collaborative effort of, of, of the grown men just being mature about it and being uh, uh, humble as, as you're doing it, as well yeah. as cocky, cocky, humble, I guess. No doubt. We call, I mean, it, I... we call it as a matter of fact. Go ahead. <laughs> you you know what though you got to have both right you got to have both to really succeed. For sure, for sure, you know. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because everyone's personality is so different in a group, and yet we all kind of meet in the middle and we tone things down when we need to, and we ramp things up when we need to, and guys come out of the shell and you know put their foot down when they need to, and. Everyone kind of knows when to do it. It's it's very weird, you know. Everyone always jokes about like, oh, it's like Voltron or whatever. But it's true because if the leg is not moving with the right and the, the hand's not moving and the head's not right and the body's not in sync, you know, what battles are going to win like that, you know? And, and so, right. you know. And, and last question for you, man. I really appreciate your time here, man. It's just like when you look back on everything that you've accomplished and been a part of and seen, you know, 
what are the biggest lessons you've learned just being being in the industry, being independent, you know, being able to own your own masters, everything that you've been able to do? Um, what what are the biggest lessons that you've learned? I think um, the biggest lesson is just to not look at anyone else. Um, don't don't look at anyone else when you're doing your stuff. Just do as you feel what's right, you know. Because usually, instinctually, instinctually, like you're gonna do whatever feels right to you. If as long as you do that and you live by that, then you're never gonna regret it. Even if things don't happen the way that you want it to, you know, you could take a lesson out of that and reapply the next time you do it. So it's like it's not just a destination. It's an ongoing journey of, of growth. And, you know, you're, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You know, it's not like I should have been this, we could have been that. Like, it's never that it's like, no, we're here now because of a, re there's a reason. Right. And, and so if we want to achieve something else, set this goal and see where it takes us. But if it's not exactly what your goal is, doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. It means it's the right thing for now. And you just got to know what the next, next step is. So you know, you're not, if, if you're walking on, on this manufactured path, that's one thing, but if you're walking through nature, you know, and each stone you step on, you know, one of them might crumble and fall or whatever, you got to take a different path. That's just how it is. Cause it's a natural thing. It's, it's you got to be able to step forward and keep moving forward in a natural way. If you're a part of a machine or whatever, that's different, but we're not machines. We're human beings. And, and, you know, this journey is continuing and, it only stops when you decide to not keep walking it. Right. And so I think through this whole thing, I've learned that I'm still enjoy, enjoying being on this journey. And there might be a point where not all of us could be on it together because of unforeseen circumstances. And with, when, you know, Tim X's health, you know, almost took him away from us a few years ago. It really, I think, but made us appreciate even more so like we already did, but it even put a sense of urgency for all of us to realize, you know, let's just appreciate each moment. You know, it could just be a, a rehearsal or a phone call or whatever together. And it's, you know, we can't, we can't let anything, you know, uh, take our focus away from what it is, is just being able to have this re relationship with each other and, and this artistic journey, like, you know, it's just like any journey. It's, it's not just artistic. It's our, our life journeys and our art is just expressing what we've been going through our, in our lives. And, you know, we, we could walk, through it together as a crew, as a group, even if individuals are, are going through the individual things, we still are together, you know, within this, this, this unit in the circle. So, you know, I think it's just being okay with, with trying your best and doing what's right is, is what I learned. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, we see other friends, you know, and other people go platinum and have multi, you know, uh, multi-platinum albums and, and, and they're on a different path. And it's just like, that was what they're meant to do. That's who they're meant to be. And it's amazing to see that. And at the same time, we weren't meant to do that, obviously, or not at this point up until now. And so, you know, that that's just, just what I take out of it. Just I'm glad that I'm okay with just doing what feels right to me and hoping that I could continue to evolve myself to understand how to navigate through it better. So. No doubt, man. Well, you know, I really appreciate your time and, and I'm honored that you get to, you know, that you stepped up here, man, for episode 100. 
Um, and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward, man, already to our next conversation on the podcast, man. I know this won't be our last one. So, uh, I really sure. appreciate you, you know, taking the time and, and, and jumping on, we going in presents, man, just sharing your insights, your experience, and just, um, all the, the great stuff that you guys have contributed to hip hop and are going to continue to contribute, man. So, so thank you so much, man, for what you do. Thank you so much, Brian. It's amazing. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm, I'm, honored to be a part of it and and yeah again looking forward to all the all the stuff and and building keeping on sharing these these this good energy so thanks so much